So this is an exciting time in the life of our church. Next year, we will celebrate 150 years since our founding as TCU's church. That is a significant milestone, and we can and should celebrate it appropriately. You see, we have a rich history, and in good times and in hard times, this community of faith has stood as a place where minds and loving hearts have helped heal the world. And thanks to the brave vision of courageous leaders, we have never backed down from big challenges. And now as we get ready to celebrate 150 years of being church, building on that great legacy, with gratitude for the sacrifice of those who have come before us, it is our time now to look forward, for us to dream and to plan for the days ahead, for the next generation, in front of the generations after that. I don't need to tell you that this sanctuary is a holy and sacred space, one that inspires us, one that reminds us and draws us near to the beauty of God's love. But I would argue that the rest of our facility is tired and configured in a way that limits our ministry goals. And so over the past few years, we have been working on a plan to renovate and to renew our building. We imagine space for new experiences and, and faith formation and space that accommodates greater varieties for worship. Our plan includes enhanced security, improved accessibility, and a gathering spaces throughout the building that encourage us to connect with one another. Our goal is to enhance what is beautiful about our historic building and to renovate what stands in the way of hospitality. The changes proposed for our building will include more light, more openness, more flexibility, more security, and a building that is easier to navigate for visitors. Essentially, church, what we want is a building that reflects the welcoming, inclusive, inviting spirit of this congregation. So today, it is with great excitement that we officially launch the capital campaign that will fund those renovations. And over the next several weeks, you will learn more about the details so that everyone, so that everyone can be informed and inspired by what is ahead. And as you can see, we are calling it the Cornerstone Campaign, with the tagline, Building Brave Spaces Together. Because you see, it was 90 years ago, on March 5th, 1933, on President Roosevelt's first day in office, that he ordered every bank in the country be closed in order to help stave off the Great Depression. But in spite of great uncertainty within our nation, UCC leaders on that day stepped out in faith, and that day they committed to a brave vision and laid the cornerstone for this sacred space, one that has blessed generations of believers who have gathered for worship in the same way that we are gathered here today. And so with gratitude for the sacrifice of those that have gone before us, it's time for us to look forward. And once again, we find ourselves looking to undertake a significant project in the midst of uncertain times, in the midst of a volatile economy. But church, 
You see, we've been here before. We have a history of being brave and faithful in difficult times. In our theme, it speaks to that legacy, but it also calls us to look forward. And I am so excited, so excited to build on our great history in order to create a bright future as together we transform our building into a space that feels welcoming for all. And to help us get started in this, we have invited a very special guest this morning. Our preacher this morning is Reverend Dr. Steve Wild, who is the senior pastor at the First Presbyterian Church in Livermore, California, where he has served for the last 14 years. Now, you can look in your bulletin and you can read his bio about his love for coffee shops and his family and all of that sort of thing, and I encourage you to do so, but what you will read there is not the whole story. You see, Steve and I go way back. We were in seminary together. We served on the same church staff for three years. I was directing the high school ministry. He was directing the junior high ministry, which just proves that I have always been more mature than he is. <laughs> and 11 years ago, when Kelly and I decided to get married, Steve officiated at our wedding. Friends, he is one of my dearest, most trusted colleagues, but more importantly, he is my best friend. Not only were we seminary classmates, but now, 30 years later, our sons are classmates at the Neely School of Business across the street. They sit next to each other in one of their classes. And since this is Parents' Weekend, and we have welcomed frog families from all over, I thought it would be appropriate a perfect time to hear from one of another frog dads. So will you help me, friends, welcome Reverend Dr. Steve Wild to our pulpit. See, Russ has already violated one of the, the number one rules of speaking when your friend is there with you. You don't throw the first punch when he gets to come up and speak after you. Got a lot that I could say, but out of respect to the congregation, I'm going to try to stay on task. It is such a joy and a privilege for me to be here with you this morning. What, uh, what a great day, what a great season in the life of your church. And for me, it's almost uh, inspirational to, to be a part of watching you individually, you as a congregation, you as a church Open yourselves to God's spirit, to God's leading in your individual collective lives as you launch this Cornerstone campaign. I, I certainly uh, am confident you're aware of a few things. This, this location, this, uh, this space is pretty uh, amazing. What a blessing UCC has in this space. But, but some of your greatest assets, your greatest blessings perhaps are the human resources that you all have. Your staff is just so gifted, so good at what they do, so creative, so adaptable. It's, it's awesome. From the pastoral staff to the program staff, support staff, just great people 
that are serving this congregation. And, and I, I think as a congregation, you're filled with amazing people. I'm still trying to meet someone who won't be over-the-top gracious and kind to me. I, every one of you is so, Harold and Pat, everyone has just been so kind and welcoming me and the number of times I've been able to be here on your campus. And, and COVID has really allowed all of us, perhaps, to, to worship in different places. And so, believe it or not, I worship with you all regularly. I, uh, I consider you one of my church families, one of my church homes as I worship with you online. I, I hear about all the activities you're doing, the ways in which you're serving God so faithfully in and through the ministry of UCC. But, but what I do know best about uh, UCC's uh, just profound blessings is you are led by your senior pastor, Russ Peterman, who is just an amazing man. He's a great friend for sure, uh, but he's also a, a tremendous leader, a man of faithfulness and integrity, uh, a creative person who, who's not just a national leader in your denomination, not just someone whose wisdom and experience is sought out in, in your own denominational conversations, but, but I'm told, and I've been told by a number of people, it was brought to my attention earlier in the year, that he's a really big deal. I don't know uh, if you're aware of that. He's a really big deal. Uh, one of the top 400 uh, most important people in Fort Worth? Influential. Influential people, <laughs> yes, because we do know. He's not important, but he is influential. <laughs> yes. But, but, but honestly, what, uh, what a great, great um, affirmation that, that Russ is even a leader to those who are leaders uh, and such a gift for your church. And I know as much as you appreciate him, I know how much he loves you and the honor and the blessing it is for him to, to serve your church. I, as he mentioned, I was uh, able to officiate Russ and Kelly's wedding, and, and if you know Kelly, you know that they are a dynamic duo. I mean, they are just a, a force of, of graciousness and kindness, compassion, and love. And, and as Russ also mentioned, I, I for the last 14 years, uh, have been serving a church, but, but it was 25 plus years ago that we were in seminary together. I've been ordained for 25 years as a Presbyterian minister, and, and the only reason that seminary matters is because it was there that I met Russ Peterman, uh, someone who would become a colleague and a friend, and uh, whose life has been a blessing in my life. I, you, might wanna, you might be surprised to know that he had more hair back then. He, um, actually, not much, if I'm being honest. You're not the most, no. Um, but really, just a, a real gift. And since that time, I now have been serving a, a number of churches, a church in Sunnyvale before coming to Livermore to serve as their senior pastor for the last 14 years. And my wife, uh, Jen, and I have been married for 24 years. We have three sons, and, and we're in this sort of interesting season of life and family. Our oldest son just graduated from Boise State University and now has come back to the San Francisco Bay Area where he's working for a business consulting company. Our middle son is a student here at TCU, and our youngest is a junior in high school. So, so we're sort of in this uh, wonderful season of, of our boys being in different stages of life. And, and in the midst of all that, this past summer, we were all home together. Our son had graduated, our middle son was back home, and so what that meant was we had five drivers and four cars. 
And so I had to sit the boys down early in the summer and have the talk. It's not the talk you're thinking of when I say the talk. It's actually the talk about the family car. Because sometimes, some of you may have walked this road with your own children. Some of you may have this to look forward to. Some of you may say, thank goodness, I've never had to deal with that. The pronouns that they use to describe the car changes to mine. It's my car. And so we had to have that talk that kind of clarifies that the family car is the, the family car. It's ours. It's, it's our car. And, and I was talking about certainly they can use it. Certainly it's theirs to take care of. Certainly it's theirs to sort of utilize in ways that, that benefit their lives. Absolutely. I was telling them that it really actually brings me joy. I'm excited for them to have access to a car, and, and it brings me joy to do that. But, but I think a lot of times churches are a lot like family cars, right? It begins with the recognition that what we have is not ours, right? But it's absolutely ours to use and to enjoy. You know, in so many ways, what I want from my boys is what I think God wants from us, and that's simply the recognition that that what we have is a gift that's really been entrusted to us. It's a gift that God entrusts to us that, that in many ways is the product of what someone else has done or provided. And, and in doing that can really be a challenge in this culture that we live in, I think. We live in this, this world that really convinces us to possess to, to acquire, to accumulate, to possess. And, and when we do that, whatever we we're able to obtain, we then are convinced that it's because of us. We've earned this. It's ours, mine, as opposed to the recognition that really it's a gift that's entrusted to us. That word mine is really kind of what has me oftentimes thinking that the world's stewardship theme, the culture that we live in stewardship theme, sort of comes from Finding Nemo. Y'all ever seen Finding Nemo? Right, and what the seagulls say in Finding Nemo. Anybody remember what the seagulls say in Finding Nemo? I hear it. Mine, 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 mine. Evidently, that's seagull translation, right? Mine, 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 mine. But faith actually affirms God's, 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 God's. So we're going to talk about that this morning as we just sort of open ourselves to this season uh, of renewal that you all are in with this Cornerstone campaign. But before we do that, we're going to look at a, a passage from Scripture that comes from Mark's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And so we're going to listen and open ourselves to how God might speak to us in this passage. Today's scripture comes from Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Here begins the reading. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it, and then lowered the mat the man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. 
Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Such a great passage that I think illustrates some some real foundational truths uh, of the gospel and what it means to be these curious-minded seekers of Jesus that, that we are, right? Because in this passage, what we find is that relationships are at the heart of the gospel. They're certainly at the heart of, of this reading that we just heard from Mark 2, but, but relationships are really at the, at the heart of who God is and how God has made us, that, that really we are created you and I, to thrive in relationships. And, and I certainly think that for, for all of us, perhaps, we've, we've come to appreciate this differently over these last few years. Certainly uh, out in California, our church is finding that COVID has really highlighted the importance of relationships. As some have felt isolated, some have been isolated, there's this sort of fragmentation that we can experience in community. And relationships are really at the heart of who who we are and how God has made us. And, and first and foremost, I would suggest that the primary relationship that we see in this passage that matters, that we experience in our own lives, is, is this relationship with God that we're created to experience. That, that somehow we are, we are encouraged, we are invited to, to embrace a relationship with God that's rooted in love, in grace, in acceptance of who we are, in a celebration of how God has made us, how God has made each and every one of us. It's, it's this non-transactional view of what it means to be made in God's image, which I think can be hard, a little elusive in our world today that, that so often times operates in this sort of transactional economy, that that love and grace become more transactional than not. We see as, as the culture and quite oftentimes, unfortunately, too many churches sliding into the temptation to, to think dualistically or judgmentally as, as it pertains to how we view and live with one another. And our text affirms that in God's love, we experience something different than that. That in God's love, we experience somehow through what Jesus expresses and embodies, we experience a healing and a hope that's really foundational to our lives and transformational. 
with respect to how we're created and called to live. Because honestly, we're all dealing with different things. Each one of us, if we were to share our stories this morning, probably is dealing with some aspect of life that's not what we expected or not what we wanted or not making sense to us. Right? The grand illusion oftentimes is that, is that we feel like we need to come across as those who have it all put it together when in fact we're just trying to hold it together and hoping that no one notices. This was made really clear to me not too long ago. I, as Russ said, I, I sort of have a, a personal commitment to keeping as many coffee shops in business as I can. It's a, it's a personal uh, commitment that I just really have taken heart to. And I love to share coffee, to drink coffee with people. And one particular morning I was at Starbucks, not that they need me to keep them in business, but I was at Starbucks at about 8 o'clock in the morning. And if any of you share this affinity for coffee, you might know that 8 o'clock in the morning at Starbucks can get a little dicey. It can be a little chaotic. You've got people going to work. You've got parents that are dropping their kids off. You've got kids that are going there. And, and there can be a lot of activity. It can be a little chaotic. And this particular morning I was there, there was a number of people in line, and there was a woman up front who was clearly frazzled and, and a little bit confused and wasn't quite sure what to do, wasn't quite sure what she wanted to order and, and how to pay, all of those things. And, and the people between me and this woman were, were really doing all they could to make sure she knew they were frustrated with how long she was taking. It was this almost awkwardly tense moment as people were kind of letting her know that she should hurry up or step aside or whatever those things were. And finally, she ordered, she, she got, she paid for it. She sat down at a table, and then I went up, I got my coffee, and, and I was just walking past her table, and I just leaned over to her. I said, it's amazing how crazy people will be when they're trying to get their coffee. And she turned and she looked at me, and she wasn't crying, but have you ever looked at someone's face and you can see that there's just this emotion there? And she turned and she looked at me and she said, my husband just died. And he was the one that got my coffee every morning. I just have no idea what I'm doing. Oh, right? And so I sat down and I just listened and we talked. And if I could have in that moment, I would have just lowered her through the roof and brought her right into the presence of God's love that we experience in Jesus. That healing embrace, that acceptance, that inclusive grace that God extends to each one of us. But what I love about this passage is it's not just about that personal experience. There's, there's an affirmation that we're not just created for a relationship with God, but we're created to thrive in relationships and community with one another. Right? The passage has this, this articulation of friends who, who care about their friends so much that they, they're trying to bring him to Jesus and, and, and as a way of avoiding the obstacles, ultimately lower him down through the roof. Right? There's, a, there's a communal element to what it means to, to bring people to Jesus, that, that God works in and through the community, and that that community, the people of that community, play a part in how God wants to work in people's lives. Because when people believe that God can do amazing things, amazing things actually happen. And what I, I appreciate about you all approaching your 150th celebration is that at University Christian Church for generations, people have believed that God would work in and through them, and amazing things have happened. And it's not just because they believed it, it's because they've acted on it. They've acted on that, that belief that God could do something in and through your life. 
And because of that, some pretty amazing things have happened and are happening. Refugees are being welcomed and supported. Meals are being provided. Lunches are being packed. Spirits are being lifted and faith is being deepened in a variety of different worship services and styles. Families are being strengthened. And children are being loved. And this children's closet that that provides uniforms for kids, and Russ was telling me 50,000 children in this area have been provided clothing to go to school. That's incredible. Because this church believes that through their actions, God can do some amazing things. Through Bible studies, hearts are opened and the curious minds of all ages are being discipled in how to think, not necessarily what to think. Academy 4 is training and mentoring hundreds of young people as your church comes alongside these kids at a critical time in their lives or, or the room in the inn as you all support homeless men. It's just, there's, the list goes on and on and on. And it hasn't perhaps always looked the same in the history of UCC, but it has been the same sermon that your congregation has continued to preach for generations through the substantive actions of your life and your ministry together. All because people sitting in these pews chose to believe that God might act and do amazing things in and through your life and your ministry. But what I particularly love is that those things are true, but in this passage what we see lifted up is highlighted the all too often overlooked truth of the kingdom of God. And that is that when when we are effectively doing ministry, when we are effectively impacting people's lives, facilities get used and facilities get worn out. Right, as much as everybody likes to talk about the healing of the paralyzed man, at the end of the passage, when all the dust settled, when it was all said and done, there was a big hole in the roof. A big hole in the roof that someone needed to do something about. And it was a hole in the roof that was probably a visible reminder of how awesome God is, of how amazing God is with respect to what God can do. Because ultimately, what we know is what a blessing it is for a roof to be worn out and in need of replacement. It means lives are being impacted and transformation is happening. As you all are in this season, my sense is you, like me, have been lost in this campus at least once. I got lost five times this morning. Russ had to come save me one time. I really couldn't, I had no idea where I was. You all likely see that maybe the pew you're sitting in right now fits particularly well to your backside because you've sat in it for years. The steps have a little curve to them. Some of the pews are worn a little unevenly. All of these things are a great articulation of how God's providence has been at work in and through this church for generations. Think of the thousands of people who have walked into these doors and sat in this space to hear and be reminded of the amazing God love the amazing love that God has for them. And it's not just here. I, I won't go too deeply into it, but your impact is happening at First Presbyterian Church of Livermore because one of my good friends, the chair of our personnel committee who was on our worship team and was on session, sat in that pew up in the balcony right there as her dad was a professor at TCU University when she was growing up. She sat right there. Took a picture of this angle this morning to send it to her. 
In this place, she heard about how much God loved her. In this place, she was told that God could do amazing things in and through her life. And in Livermore, we thank God for what you all have done in this place. And so as it wears out, we delight in what has happened that has led for it to get worn out. Because the wear and the tear is that reminder of the long arc of impact that University Christian Church has had. And so today I get to be a part of celebrating what is this look into the future as you, as you look forward with this Cornerstone campaign. It's, it's a campaign that will both solidify and, and strengthen who you are, but in, embrace who God is calling you to become. And I, I was saying to Russ earlier, what is he going to do? Tell me no, because I'm going to ask for, again, a couple of more minutes, because I don't want to talk just as someone who's preaching, but, but I want to talk to you for just a couple of minutes as a TCU parent. Because, and, right? I got it. I get nervous. I, gotta, I, I still get nervous. I'm always afraid I'm going to throw the wrong sign and it's going to offend somebody. But my wife and I, we pray for you and the impact that you're having near this campus. And we need you to courageously and boldly build brave spaces that engage and connect with people. One of our peoples lives three blocks from here. And who knows, in two years, you might have another one of our peoples. And now more than ever, we need to recognize that, that students need a place like this. Our sons come from a church community of inclusivity and grace. An inclusive, curious-minded, scientific church in California that's rooted in the love of God and allows for the mystery of God's Spirit to be at work. Now more than ever, we need churches to have the willingness and the resolve to reach out to and come, along stu come alongside students and families and young people. And we all want to be a part of, of a ministry that's making a difference and having an impact. Right? I want to be a part of a ministry that's making a difference and having an impact. And like I said earlier, I pretty much consider you one of my church families since I worship, you, worship with you regularly. I'm deeply invested in the effectiveness of your of your ministry, of what University Christian Church can do. And so I'm going to be one of the pledgers to this Cornerstone campaign because I, I need you all to both delight in who you are and embrace this vision that God has placed before you, to, to build brave spaces. This community, this university, this world needs your ministry to expand and be bold to build those brave spaces for people so that they might be brought into the experience of God's great love for them. And we do all this not because we have to. We get to give. We do this because we get to give. We get to be a part of how God chooses to do amazing things in the world. We get the privilege and the blessing of updating worn-out spaces. We get the privilege and blessing of updating spaces that have led to healing and hope and transformation. Spaces that need to be updated and in doing so provide a reminder of how God has been at work for generations in this, in this church and through this ministry. You and I are given that sacred privilege of supporting the work of God here in this place, of perhaps uh, getting in the family car, taking it for a spin, using it for a while, but, but maybe cleaning it before we hand it to one of our brothers. Right? We're given that sacred privilege of supporting what God is doing on and off this campus, in and through the ministry of University Christian Church. 
How awesome is that? That you and I get to be the plan that God has for this place at this time. Amen. celebrate World Communion Sunday. Growing up, World Communion Sunday was one of my very favorite Sundays because there were so many different types of bread at my home church that I could choose from that weren't just the hard pieces of bread that I had every Sunday. As I grew older, I realized that those breads were representative of different cultures that also celebrate communion during their Sunday services. Now, as I am older and have reflected on this a little bit more, World Communion Sunday means to me that even though and still this table seems so big, it is so much bigger than we could ever imagine. When we come to this table, we are a part of something that is so much bigger than ourselves. This table and this meal has been going on for centuries, and today, and, this, and today, during World Communion Sunday, there have been people all day and through the night who have been celebrating and sharing in this meal together. So now, here at University Christian Church in Fort Worth, Texas, it's our turn to share in this sacred meal of bread and cup. So as we come to this table, we remember that on the night that Jesus died, he took a loaf of bread, blessed and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take and eat, this is my body broken for you. And the same way Jesus took a cup and he blessed it and poured it and gave it to his disciples saying, this is the blood of the new covenant poured out for all of you for the forgiveness of sin. As often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, do so in remembrance of me. Let us pray. Dear loving God, 
Each week we come to this sacred table, as so many have before us. We give you thanks for the gift of grace through your Son, Jesus the Christ. May we live Christ's love in the world each and every day. And now, church, let us break bread together. 